I want us to go to the book of Exodus this morning. This message is inspired by uh, our midweek motivation this Wednesday. And if you saw that, uh, it was shared a lot. A lot of people have given good feedback from it. But uh, I I knew once I I, I shared that message on Wednesday, I knew we had to share this today. And I'm going to expound on it a little bit. But I want to go to the book of Exodus chapter 12, verse 50. I know for midweek I went to Psalms. Uh, which was just one verse. But today I want to go to Exodus and read a couple of verses to you. Exodus chapter 12. If you're here with us for the first time, we're so glad that you are here. If you're watching online for the first time, we're glad you're here. Come on, can we give it up for all our online people for watching? Glad you're able to do that. Let's jump into the word today. Exodus 12 verse 50. It says, so all the people of Israel followed all of the Lord's commands to Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt like an army. Come on, that's good. Brought them out. And then let's skip down to Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. It was the quick route. And God decided we're not going that way. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. It's something whenever it mentions it twice. They left like an army ready for battle. That's how they were leaving. That wasn't the state they were in, but this is how they are leaving now because God is delivering them from the bondage that they were in to the Egyptians. And God is delivering his people and his promises to take them to the promised land. Let's pray and then we're going to jump into this today. Lord, we're so thankful to be here. So thankful for your presence that is in this place. Thankful for every person that is here, but God, we need you. The songs are good in our worship. We enjoy giving it to you. But Father, we need you to speak something to us today. Something that will take us through the wilderness of life that we may experience. And Father, I thank you that today there is a word that is here that you want to speak to every person that will encourage, that will ignite their faith to believe that through you all things are possible. I ask for your help today sharing this message. God, help me to speak it the way I heard it so that it can change how we view everything that we're walking through. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So one year for Father's Day, uh, Cynthia had this brilliant idea with our kids, and they got me a one-year membership to a car wash. And if anyone knows me, I love having a clean ride. I'm the guy that before we take a trip, I will fully detail the automobile. Come on, anybody with me? I need somebody to join the crowd. I mean, I just have to have, and I know you're telling me, but Pastor Wade, you're going to get road grime and you're going to have bugs all over your, it doesn't matter. I am detailing that car. I mean, I will forget about packing. That is secondary. I am going to clean my ride. I mean, it is going to, I I like to take my shoes off in the car, and I am not touching sand 
in the carpet. I'm just not doing it. And maybe you think I'm OCD. It doesn't matter. You got your issues too, okay? But I am cleaning that car. In fact, I, I am cleaning my truck tomorrow because I have a trip that I'm about to take, and I am going to make sure that thing is clean and it smells good and it feels it's just something different when you got a clean ride. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, clean your car. You'll change your mind about buying a new one. You will. Love my truck. 2012 Chevy Avalanche. 160,000 miles. Hit it yesterday, baby. Still rolling. Put that armor all on them tires, baby. <laughs> and listen, that windshield's got to be clean. Got to be. I don't like the smear, you know, and you got all your ideas. I found my plan. I ain't sharing it with you, but I got to have my windshield clean. So Cynthia and the kids, they knew how, how, how I love to have a clean car. So they decided they were going to buy me this one-year membership to the car wash. And uh, so this is unlimited washes every month. And I thoroughly enjoyed that because this was at least every other day. You know, like it, it became a part of my daily routine. <laughs> Drop the kids off at school and immediately I'm going through the car wash. Am I right? And I know other people in here. Kevin does this. Kevin does this. And I ain't throwing him under the bus. I'm applauding you, brother. I am. And, uh, I mean, this was like a part of my life routine. And if I couldn't hit it in the morning, then in the afternoon, especially with the pollen. You know what I'm saying? We just came through that season. It was a rough season for us, but we made it through. Um, but with the pollen, I mean, if there was even one little, one little speck, one little green speck on the truck, that's it. I got to go. Got to go through the car wash. And um, so I remember one day picking Ella Pearl up from school. And uh, she's my daughter. And uh, I picked her up and I said, hey, um, we're going to go through the car wash. And then we're, we're going to go home. And she did not like this idea because she was petrified of going through the car wash. Hated it. And so, you know, me being the good father I am, I sweetened up the deal. If you go with me through the car wash, I'm going to take you to Walmart. And you can either get ice cream. And at the time, she loved those little Shopkins. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody in here knows what a Shopkins is? Those little demon things. Just millions of them everywhere. And, and, and you didn't even have to buy it. She just wanted to go look at them. You know what I'm saying? And if your kid needs them, we can get rid of them. Okay, I'm just saying. And so, uh, so I told her, I said, hey, just, just ride with me through the car wash. And after we go through the car wash, I'll take you to Walmart. And you can get your ice cream. You can, you can get both. Just go with me through the car wash. And so she, you know, she resisted at first. But I used my fathering skills, my ne negotiating skills. And she agreed to do it. And everything is fine. You know, you go through the line, they scan the little the barcode on your vehicle. You go through and you go around, and she's trying to act brave and everything. And everything is going well. They hand you the little air freshener, which I love those things. Cynthia hates them, makes her eyes water, but I love them, okay? I mean, if you get one every other day, it always smells good in your vehicle. Just telling you, man, it's just right. And so uh, if you've ever been through one of these car washes, you know it's an experience. There is an entertainment package that comes with these car washes. It's not just the undercarriage spray. You know what I'm saying? And some of you who've never done this, you're lost right now. Go right through one and pick the whole package, okay? So you go through, and it sprays your car from underneath to try to clean out any dirt from under there. But as soon as you get in and the foam begins to drop, you get a light show. 
she didn't know about the light show. And I'm telling you, she freaked out. And she was trying to get away, but there was nowhere to go. She was stuck in the truck, and she's like in that little seat just trying to back up, and the lights are flashing, and the foam is coming down. And, and, and she knew at this point I did not think this through well because next after the foam and the blinking lights comes the swirling brushes, and they are aggressive. You know what I'm saying? Just slapping your window. And she didn't know it was about to slap the window, and Cynthia's looking at me like, you're in trouble because <laughs> she didn't know all this. It's amazing the things she finds out during a sermon. Just trying to reach the people, baby. And I mean, she is like, get me out. Get me out. I want out of here. Get me out. I was like, baby, we're already in it. Like, we can't get out. She's like, go back. I'm like, we can't. Like, the thing's moving us now. I can't get out of this. And she is just, and I'm trying every Walmart tactic I have. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, baby, you can ride in a little kid's cart. She's like, I'm too old for that. You know, just trying anything i'll buy you two shopkins i'll get you the gallon of ice cream just trying to make this better because honestly i was afraid she was going to tell cynthia something and so (laughs) finally we made it through (laughs) and you have never seen relief on a child's face through you made it until you made it through the car wash and you know what now she loves to go through the car wash she loves it she's like dad you need to wash your truck. Let's go through the car. I'm like, this is my child. I'm so pleased. I love it. Because now she thinks I need a clean vehicle because she enjoys going through the car wash. And I'm using that story today to set up this message. And this is what I want to entitle it. Going through it to get to it. We had to go through it to get to it. This is what's happening in this story, by the way. Because, yes, God has moved and he sent Moses to be the leader and he has gone to Pharaoh and he has advocated for the people and Pharaoh has agreed to let the people of Israel go. And Moses is like, let's go, y'all. Let's get out of here. And God decides instead of taking the route that everyone else would take, the quick route, because it wasn't that far to the promised land, God said, let's take a different route than the one that you're used to. Because if we go that route, some of you may change your mind and want to go back. And he doesn't want us to go back. He wants us to keep going. And so God said, let's take a different route. And God chose to take them on the route of going through the wilderness. Of all places. Like whenever you get a promise that God is going to take you to the promised land, the last thing that you envisioned in your mind was a desert. Am I right? Like few years ago we went on vacation and we decided to vacation on the east coast and we were going to the beach at Myrtle Beach South Carolina and it is a great idea there's plenty things to do there and when we got to the beach let's just say we were not used to the beach there because we've always been to the beach here y'all know what I'm talking about like that water is not what the water is here and that sand is not what the sand is here come on thank God we live where we live and we got some nice beaches So God is delivering them out to bring them to the promised land. And he decides that the best route for them 
would be to take them through the wilderness instead of the short and easy route. And honestly, we could just stay right here and say amen. And many of us here today would get a little bit of perspective of some of the things that we have been going through because now you begin to realize, well, God's just taking me through the wilderness. And right now it's not so bad because it's just hot and it's dry. But you keep going through the wilderness with these people and you realize, wait a minute, this is not the ride we were expecting. This is not how I think God would do things. Surely God wouldn't do it that way. Surely God would do this the easy way because he is a deliverer and God just wants to bring me into these beautiful spaces and make me happy and make all of my dreams truly come true. Surely God would never put me through something like this. Am I right? And this becomes tough topics because it makes us feel like uh, if God really loved me, he wouldn't allow me to go through some things. And I'm not going to sit here today and say that God's causing all the bad things that are happening to you. We do a pretty good job of getting that accomplished on our own. Am I right? I mean, we've made a series of decisions that set up some obstacles for ourselves that we can't really blame God for. Am I right? Like, like this time of the year, schooling, where kids begin to, like, freak out about their grades and they begin to look back earlier in the year and they wish they would have done that and they wish they wouldn't have done that. You know what I'm talking about? Because now they're realizing, oh, my God, all of those decisions aren't equaling what I thought it was going to equal. It was fun then, but it is no longer fun now. So before we start putting the blame on God for what we're going through, let's remember what decisions that we made earlier that may have gotten us to some places that maybe we didn't want to go. Amen? Amen. Now listen, this is going to be a little step on your toe at first, but at the end, God's going to heal your toe. Okay? But we got, we've got to share this because what, what I want you to see today is that you're going to go through some things. And anyone who preaches the kind of message to you to lead you to believe that God doesn't want you to go through some things is presenting you a God who does not care. It's presenting you a God who does not love you. Anyone that presents this view of God that God does not bring correction and discipline to his children is someone who is not truly representing God. Amen? Amen? And so, yes, he does love you, but he is smart enough because of his love and he is wise enough that he knows to really bring out who you are and who he wants you to be. It's not just taking you out of some things, but it's bringing you through some things. And so, yes, God is delivering them from this bondage that they were in to bring them to the promised land. But on the way to the promised land from the bondage, he decides to bring them through some things. And perhaps what he brings them through will help them to handle the freedoms and help them to handle all the blessings that they're going to have when they get to the promised land. Amen? So he takes them on this route that goes through the wilderness so they wouldn't be tempted to go back. And I want you to know that the enemy, Satan, there is, an, there is a devil, there is a Satan, there is an enemy that is trying to get you to go back. He wants you 
to go back to the old things. He wants you to go back to those old things you depended on. He wants you to go back to those old ways of living. He wants you to go back to the way it has always been. That's why it's dangerous for us to say, I just want it to go back to the way it always was. Perhaps God is saying it's not time to go back to the way it always was, but it's time to go into the way I want it to be. Amen? But the enemy always wants you to go back, to go back to the destructive lifestyle, to go back to the unforgiveness, to go back to the fighting, to go back to the old things. And I remember this word back in the day, and some of you got the church background, you remember this. Remember the word backslide? Remember they would label people as backsliders? That's too aggressive for this generation because now they feel like it's shaming. But back in the day, if you drifted away from God and you went back, we want to pray for the backsliders today. Y'all remember that? Come on, how many of y'all remember praying for the backsliders? Anybody in here ever been called a backslider before? Anybody in here ever backslid? Woo! I told you, step on some toes, but God's going to heal you. God's going to heal you. The backsliders. So God didn't want them to go back, so he took them on a different route. He took them on an unfamiliar route, on a path they've never been before. And I have learned that God will take you places that you have never been to get you to where you have never gone. I've seen it so many times. Unfamiliar territory. You've been there before. It's like, God, what are you doing right now? I've never seen anything like this. I've never experienced anything like this. You ever prayed and got that new job and you went to work and you're like, what have I done? And who are these people? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you start intercessory prayer group. <laughs> prayer chain, baby. Like, let's get it going because these people need the Lord. God will bring you through some things because he's taking you on a different route because he knows if you go the usual way, you'll just turn around and go right back. And many of them that were delivered wanted to go back, but because the route they were on, they didn't know how to get there. And that's the danger of backsliding is you know where you used to be, but God's taking you so far, you don't really know how to get there. And you wind up more lost than you were before. And it's hard to come back to Jesus because you lost yourself in the process of trying to go back to the way it has always been. Today, I want to talk to someone who's going through some things. And perhaps the Lord will use this message to bring some perspective about what you've been going through. And what's interesting is everyone that has been through some things and have made it to the other side will amen this message and will shout this message down like you have never seen. And those who are going through it will just take notes. You know what I'm saying? And be a little angry at the people who are shouting because it's like, you don't understand. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Because what I went through and how the Lord got me to this side will blow your mind because I never knew God could operate like that. And it's amazing the things that we want to see God do. The miracles that we want to see God do, but never ever put God in the place to do a miracle in our life because we're so used to the roads that we've always been on that we will find our own way. Am I right? Like, I, I would just make up my own way to get there and just ask God to bless it. Just ask God to come along and lead me. And God's like, I don't know which way you're 
really going with this? I believe that God's brought us too far to go back. So let's talk about the wilderness. When they heard of the promised land, obviously they thinking of this place that was beautiful and overflowing with everything they needed and all they can ever want. You could describe it as a place of abundance. This is where it's like God's promising the, the, the promised land. It's the land flowing with milk and honey. Sounds like a spa. Am I right? It just sounds nice. And I'm having flashbacks to Veggie Tales, and my kids were watching Josh and the Big Wall, and 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 they they talked about the Promised Land, and all of you that saw this movie countless times over and over are having PTSD moments right now from that show. But we learned a lot about the Promised Land from this show, and what we know is this was a blessed land, and it was the place of abundance, and everyone wants to get there. Everyone wants to go to the place flowing with milk and honey. But what happens when you're not in the place flowing with milk and honey? You're in that place that's flowing with a bunch of other stuff that we can't describe in church. When you're going through some stuff that just seems like, how in the heck could God let me go through some of these things that I'm going through right now? And for a moment, it will make you even a little bit angry with God. Amen? You ever been there before? Come on, let's be real today. God, what are you doing, and why are you doing it this way? Because I wouldn't do it that way. And it's frustrating, man. And I don't want to stand up here just as a faith preacher and make you believe that there are moments where where we're not sitting there saying, God, what in the world? Because this ain't cool. And this is hard. I thought we were going to the promised land, but where I'm at, this is a desolate place. And everywhere I look around here, I don't see anything that looks like promise. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where just when you thought you had this thing beat and then another thing arose. See, this is what was happening to them in the wilderness because God leads them on a roundabout way through the wilderness And then they're pinned up against the Red Sea. It's kind of like, come on, God. Do you even know what you're doing? Do you have a map, bro? You know what I'm saying? Because if you did, you would have known not to take us this way. And it's amazing how we begin to question God, the one who delivered us, like he was powerful enough to deliver us from something, but he's not powerful enough to get us to what he promised us. And that space in the middle, that space between, that is the place that we've got the problems because that is the place where our faith is truly tested. That is the place where we really got to trust. And so when you're coming out of bondage and the first thing you encounter is the Red Sea, you're thinking, this God that has delivered me doesn't know really what he's doing. And so we begin to question God's plan. We begin to question God's sovereignty. We begin to question what he is able to do because surely God wouldn't have let this happen. And so they're pinned up against the Red Sea. And not only that, now the ones that let them go when Pharaoh said, you can go, they begin to chase them down to bring them back. The enemy wants to bring you back and he will find you. I'm not scaring you. I'm just telling you he wants you back and God wants you forward. And you're stuck against the Red Sea and you're saying, God, what did you do? Did you bring us out here to die? 
Did you bring me this far just to drop me? Did you bring me this far just to leave me here? Because I've got to explain this to some people. Am I right? It's hard when you've got to explain it to people because you tout how good God is because he delivered you. But when you're going through something after he delivered you, people are like, where's he at? And why is this happening to you if God is so good? Am I right? And so when you're looking at it from this perspective, you come upon the Red Sea. Now what you see is just another problem, another issue. This is cyclical. It just keeps going around and around over and over. And God, what are you going to do about this? And because we know the rest of the story, we know that Moses stood up on the rock and held up his staff and held his arms up and because of that, you know, the movie The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston that comes on every year around Easter time, which I don't understand that. But anyway, the, the, the waters part. The waters of the Red Sea part. And all of the Israelites begin to walk across the bottom of the Red Sea and it's as dry as a bone. And you would think in that moment they're rejoicing. Ha, ha, ha. Look what our God can do. Look what our God can do. He's the same God. We're going to sing it in church on Sunday. Let's sing it. Same God. They're walking through. Same God. And then they see the Egyptian army coming after them. Oh, my God. What are you doing? You brought us out here to die. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And after they all came out on the other side, the Egyptian army is in the middle of the Red Sea. And what happens? The sea collapses on them. And God was like, once and for all, we're going to defeat this enemy who has been after you. But it didn't happen when they were in bondage. And even though God delivered them, it didn't happen there. This happened in the wilderness. The defeat took place in the wilderness when God was bringing them through another obstacle that was in their way. And sometimes we don't understand that the obstacle that we're going through, it's not even about you. It's about what's been chasing you down and trying to take you out. But it's in that place that God wipes out the enemy that's been chasing you down. But we don't look at it that way. We don't understand God's strategy. We don't like strategy. We want clarity. We want plans. We want calendars. We want it pretty and perfect. Highlight it with pink for this day. Highlight it with purple for that day. Yellow means this. Green me. All that stuff. And that is fine. But I want you to know God doesn't always give his strategies away. And good thing he doesn't because we would talk about it too much. And get us in worse mess than we've ever been in. Took them on a way they'd never been before. What if God can do something in you in the wilderness that can't be done anywhere else? Like, what if that is the place that God could do the work? Like, I know bro, it would be awesome. Hey, God, when we get to the promised land, I want you to do all this, this, this and that and this and that. Because now I see your goodness. And God's like. Yeah, but you won't appreciate my goodness because it's good everywhere. But when you're in some places where it ain't so good, you will see my goodness at a whole nother level. You will see really how much of a deliverer. Like, think of this. Coming out of Israel, they got permission from Pharaoh to come out. But when they were in the wilderness and Pharaoh is chasing them down, this is no longer about permission. This is all pursuit. And so God's like, watch what I can do. Look at here, look at here. Am I right? 
Didn't expect God. I mean, come on, raise your hand. You're reading the Bible for the first time. You didn't expect God to part a Red Sea. You expect God to throw lightning rods from heaven. Blow them people up. Right? Because that's what we would do. We're so aggressive. Am I right? I mean, just crazy. Like, throw something at them. Throw them rocks and all this stuff. Started thinking about this wilderness thing, though. You know, Jesus faced his greatest temptations in the wilderness. It was in the wilderness that he faced them. And this happened before he even died on the cross. It was in the wilderness where he almost, he, he, he didn't almost, he could have forfeited it. Because Satan said, if you're really the son of God, all this stuff God's promised you, I can give it to you. I could give you everything God's promised if you would just bow down and worship me. And Jesus knew better. And what did he do? He used the word of God to fight the temptation. And he didn't bow down to it because he knew I got to get to the cross because I'm saving people. See, it wasn't just ruling over people that Jesus was going for. It was saving people. Amen? Amen? It was saving people. And so in the wilderness, he overcame the temptation. It's like he already overcame the situation before he even got to the cross. And that happened in the wilderness. Uh, David. David killed Goliath in the wilderness. It wasn't in the field. It was in the wilderness. This is unfamiliar territory. But it was in the wilderness that he slays Goliath. And because he slays Goliath in the wilderness, now he's able to sit on the throne in the palace. I know God had anointed him to be king, but the path to get there was taking him through a wilderness, taking him through a giant. And I need you to see how much clout that David had because he took down a giant. Am I right? People looked at David differently than they did with Saul. Saul was a good king, but David's like, next level. I mean, Saul stood on the side while David did the slaying. He had to go through some things, but he got there. That's what I need you to see. The children of Israel, they had to go through a wilderness. They had to go through some things, but they got there. They got there. And that's so hard whenever you're going through it because you think we're never going to make it through this. Our marriage will never make it through that. My kids will never make it through seventh grade. Am I right? We're never going to make it through these gas prices. Am I right? Well, that, that's just how, why are we wired to think that way? When God has brought you through so much already. When God has moved in your life already and brought you through things that years ago that you thought never, you were never going to make it through. And God just keeps doing it. And still we get in those places like, God, are you even on the scene? Never going to make it through. And God's like, just watch the hand of the Lord. Our memory is so short. What? We talked about it last week on Easter. Why do we forget what God has done already? Why do we forget what he has said to us? Why do we forget these things so quickly when we're going through things? And then when somebody says it, oh, that is good. It's not the first time you heard that, though. You've heard this before, am I right? I've heard it before. Why? Because I've walked through it before. So watch this. Everything they went through, God was delivering them from something to deliver them to something. But he was developing them into something they had never been. 
Now, you got to understand this. Because all they knew how to do, all they knew was being captive. Now, if you study the people of Israel, you know that before they even had a land, it was a people. It was a group of people who didn't have land. It was just people. In fact, they didn't even have laws. It was people. And they're taken into captivity by the Egyptians. So they have no laws. They have no land. And God says, I'm going to bring you to a land, the promised land. I'm going to get you there because I'm going to establish you as a nation. But all they knew was captivity. And God's trying to make them into a country. But all they know how to do is what they have always done. They have never operated as a nation before. Never. They have never operated this way. All they knew was making bricks. They were building the Egyptian empire. That's all they had going. That's all they knew every single day. The same thing over and over and over. It was their grind. And now God delivers them, and he's trying to take these people who were held captive and turn them into a nation. There's a few things that have to change to get you to that kind of thinking. And God brings them through a wilderness to tweak their thinking so that they can understand the values, so they can understand the structure, so they can understand what it takes to be the great nation that God wants them to be. So the wilderness was not just an escape route, but it was the route that would establish them. I like that word. It was the route that would establish them. Think of that word, establish. Cynthia and I, we have this plaque on our wall, and it says Moran on it. That's a strong name, Moran. You notice how I say that, Moran. Not Moran, Moran. With a little rasp in your voice. And it says, established, 1995. Come on, 95 was a good year, y'all. 95, established. It was established. Before then, it wasn't established. It was an idea. And it was possible. When I put the ring on her finger, it wasn't established yet. It was just the idea. And there were plans. But can I tell you, even though we had some good wedding plans, we went through a lot to get to established. Anybody recently married know what I'm talking about? You go through some things. You go through some conversations with your family that might get a little inflamed. Oh, just us? Not y'all? Don't you lie in church. You have conversations you never thought you would have. Am I right? Like, talking about all, like, why are we talking about a wedding cake right now? It's just a cake. Am I right? No, it's not just a cake. All the stuff, man. It's like conversations you never thought you'd had. But now, once you're established, you look back at that stuff, and you're able to smile. You're able to look back at the video. You're able to look back at the pictures, and you're smiling because, man, we look good. But you forget what you were going through on that day. Am I right? Everybody sees your family portrait, and they think, you got an awesome family. And it's like, if you only knew what it took to get that two-year-old to actually put a smile on their face, we bargained all day with them. We negotiated with the terrorists. We gave them everything they want. We're still paying off that debt, and they're 22 now. Come on now. So God was going to establish their faith, 
He was going to establish their laws. He was going to establish their leaders. And all of it was going to happen in the wilderness. This is where it was going to happen in the wilderness. So what if God is using what you're going through to establish you? That word's so strong, to establish you. I know, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like, God, I feel like you're trying to take me out. <laughs> Am I right? Like, bro, you need therapy, God. <laughs> you said it, not me. Like, what are you, I feel like you're trying to take me out, and God's like, I'm just trying to set you up. And it's, it, again, it's hindsight, man. You look back after you've made it through it, and it's like, oh, yeah, the Lord is good, and the Lord is faithful. But when you're going through it, it's like, God, are you faithful? I think you're faithful because that's what they keep telling me. I'm excited about what Cynthia in Sisterhood is doing tomorrow night with these ladies who have been down the road a little bit further in their faith because they're going to tell us about the things that they've been through. And how God was faithful to them through all them things that you might be going through right now. Where you're questioning God, are you even there? And they're going to stand boldly and say, oh, he's there. And it's going to look easy when they say it. But I promise you, when they were going through it, it wasn't easy. But what's the difference? They're established now. They're established now. And God wants to establish you he wants to establish your purpose. He wants to establish your faith. And this is the stuff that you can't get anywhere else. But I want you to hear this because this word deliverance really is the word that we love. God, give me, like Ella Pearl, get me out of this car wash. Just get me out of this car. Like, baby, if you get out of the car, it's going to be bad news right now. Like, don't get out. But you have to see that deliverance isn't just about getting away from something, but it's delivering you into something. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you know that one that, that, that this is the verse where we get the God won't give you more than you can handle. Okay, which I found that to be not true. <laughs> Amen. God gives you way more. Anybody testify of that? Amen. So if anybody tells you that, don't don't use violence. Just say, God bless you. Because <laughs> we know that ain't the case. But this is the verse. It says, no temptation, no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. So you're not the only one. Other people have faced some things. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. And he'll never let you be pushed past your limit. Doesn't mean he's not going to push you. Right? The kid in kindergarten, I don't want to go, Mama. No, baby, you're going to go. No, I don't want to go. You're going to go. <laughs> and at first it's nice, and then it turns to, uh, I will drag you in there. I love you enough to bring you in there myself. And then they're graduating from high school, and they're going to school to be a teacher. Good thing Mama pushed, am I right? Come on, somebody. Watch this. He'll always be there to help you come through it. He will always be there to help you to come through it. So I got to finish with this. Three things God will do in your life as you're going through it. Three things God will do as you're going through it. Number one is this, dependence. 
I know you just did your taxes. And you think about dependents. Am I right? And it didn't work out so well this year. At least not ours. Dependents. They were used to depending on Pharaoh, y'all. That's what they were used to. Because it was Pharaoh who was feeding them. It was Pharaoh who was housing them. So all they knew how to do was to to depend on Pharaoh, but now they have to learn how to depend on God. Because now they have no source. They have no home. They have no land. And now God has delivered them and they need God to help them. And so even though they wanted to get away from Pharaoh because he had held them captive, at the same time he fed them and housed them. So it's they're stuck. And that's where so many people wind up. They're stuck because this thing that they want to be delivered from, it provided something for them in their life. It provided some sense of security And if I leave that, then I won't have this. So I need to stay with that and forfeit this because that's how I eat. That's where my nourishment comes from. That's where my security comes from. Can you see the dilemma that they're in? But the wilderness taught them that they didn't have to rely on Pharaoh anymore. They can rely on God. Watch this. They were secure and what they were held captive in. Like, think of that. I know they were working hard, and it wasn't the best conditions, but they didn't have to worry about eating. They didn't have to worry about living. It was taken care of. It was all taken care of. Now, even though they're free and they don't have to live in this bondage, now we got to figure out what we're eating. Now we got to figure out where we're living. And so they're delivered but they still need protection. They still need a place to sleep. But what they learned was that God is a provider in the wilderness. They learned that in the wilderness. They didn't know that in Egypt. They learned it in the wilderness. Again, there's things in the wilderness you learn that you won't learn anywhere else. It was in the wilderness that they learned that God is a provider. It was in the wilderness they learned that God is a protector. This is what they learned when they were going through it. God fed them in miraculous ways. God was feeding them. He made water come from a rock in the middle of a desert. That is an amazing thing, y'all. Like, think of that. They're like, we have nothing to drink. God, you brought us out here to die. And he's like, oh, yeah? Watch this. Moses, hit the rock. Boom. Water flows. Clean water. They never drank water like that before. Learning to depend on God. Here's the second thing. God will do this in your life. Number two is detachment. Detachment. To take them out of Egypt. But he's got to get Egypt out of them. Bro, that's the hard one. That is the one. So they wanted to go back because they were so comfortable in these practices that they were in. And God knew the nation that he was establishing, the people that he was establishing, what he was doing in their life. That's not how we're going to roll. You said that before. When I have a family, we're not doing it like that. 
Some of you who grew up in some homes where there was some dysfunction and some brokenness, you said it. When I have my own family, it's going to be different. We're going to do things different. And then one day something happened and it caught you on a bad day and you found yourself doing the things and saying the things that you said, I'm never, ever going to do and I'm never, ever going to say. But there was some pressure that built and you lost it that day. And all of your plans to look different than the way it was before just went out the window because now we got a situation on our hands. And it, you didn't realize it was default. It was default. You were programmed this way through all the different things you went through. So all you knew to do was tell people off. And so when you go to work and you don't agree with things, you go up to your manager and you just tell them off, not thinking that that is consequential and you're going to lose your job and you got a house bill to pay and you need health insurance. But this is what we do. You don't mess with my family. God was trying to detach them from some old ways to establish them in some new ways. We're talking about deliverance, people. We're talking about God bringing you out of something to bring you to something. But if what you've been in is still in you, even when you get to the new house, even when you get to the new job, even when you get the new wife, even when you get the new husband, it's going to show up. Because it's always been there. And God wants to take you through some things to detach you from some things. Some old habits, some old things, some old ways of thinking that just cannot come into the promised land that he's bringing you into. And this is the place that we have the hardest time because we want to justify all these old things and bring it through like it ain't a big thing. That ain't going to hurt anything. That ain't not that big of a deal. And God's like, you don't understand the tentacles that this has on your family. You don't realize the generations that are affected by this one moment of unforgiveness. He took them through the wilderness to get Egypt out of them. Oh, I know he took them out of Egypt. But he said, let's go through the wilderness to get Egypt out of you. And some of the things that we're going through, God's like, I just want to get Egypt out of you. I'm just trying to get some old practices out of you. And this is what's so amazing. Many of you that have been through some things, you start checking yourself. Because you're trying to figure out why isn't God working? Why is it? It's probably because I need to quit doing this and I quit, need to quit doing that. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to quit this and I'm going to quit that. You know what it is? That's called detachment. Yeah. And it's hard to be friends. Listen, it's hard to be friends with Egypt when you're trying to go into Canaan land, the promised land. It's hard. It's hard because they just want you to go back. Yeah. Come on back. When are you going to come back? Let's go back. One of the things that happened in the wilderness, and it's graphic, is circumcision. God circumcised all the, all the firstborn, all the males. He circumcised them. And not to be graphic, but it was a cutting away. In other words, to go to the place that I'm taking you, there's some things that we're going to have to cut out of your life. Come on. There's some things you just got to cut out because it's not going to work in the promised land. It's going to ruin the promised land. You will, you will be in promised land and still be in bondage. Still be in bondage because there's a need for detachment. And so God, when he's delivering you from something, expect there to be a cutting away of some old things and why is he doing that because he loves you too much to leave you like that remember he could have took him on the short route but he said nah let's go this way let's go the long way 
so that on the way we can work on some things so when you get to the promised land, you won't lose everything you've got. What activities is God saying? Let's cut it, Valerie. Relationships. I know, that's tough, man. Habits. Those are little petty sins. You know what I'm saying? Petty is not a big deal, but it is a big deal. If there is no detachment, there's no deliverance. Here's the last one. Defeat. Not defeating you, but defeating your enemies. And this one is awesome. When you read through the story, they defeated 31 kings going into the promised land. 31. You know the story of Jericho? They had to defeat a king there. That was one of them. But there were 31 different kings that had to be defeated on their way into the... Oh, but Pastor Way, I thought God delivered them. Why are they having to face a king? That's not deliverance. That's more challenge. God was establishing them. I want you to remember that word coming out of this message today. God was establishing them. He was setting them up. So that they wouldn't have to be defeated by their enemies. And you say, oh, Pastor Wade, I read the Bible. They get defeated again and again. Why? Because of their sin. Because they didn't listen to what God told them to do. They went back to some old ways. And because of that, they were taken captive again. They went back. But God was in the process of establishing them. And on the way, they won some battles that gave them the right to be in the promised land that gave them the authority to own it to claim it it wasn't just hey this is our land it's like this is our land God's promised it and we walk through too much to get to where we're at and we defeated too many enemies to get here and if there's another enemy that comes at us as we're going into our promised land we'll take them out too it's not because I'm aggressive. It's not because I'm violent. It's because I know that God has delivered me. Amen? And I'm not going back to the way it used to be. I've won too many battles to let this one take me out. See what I'm saying? And all along the way, how did God, what did God do? Say, hey, put, put some stones in the middle of that Jordan River so you can look back one day and see how God brought you through. Set up an altar here so that you can look back and remember the time that God was there for you. Set this up. Build this. And all these monuments, all these different things, they were mile markers. They were milestones so they can look back and see, wait a minute. I have a right to be here. And it's not because of me. It's because of my father and his promises for my life. And so even though the enemy tries to come at me with shame and guilt and tries to tell me that I'm not worthy, it doesn't matter what you say because he went to the cross for me and he declared that I am worthy. And this was his idea. This is his promise. I'm just standing where he told me to stand. I'm just standing where he told me to go. And I went through some things to get here, and I'm not giving it up that easy. What was it developing in them? It was developing some authority. And the one thing that so many believers lack in their life is authority because they just think authority is meanness. And authority isn't meanness. It's I'm not tolerating what the enemy is trying to do to me. And I've got something in me that is a greater power than this thing that is coming against me. And because of the blood of Jesus, I can take authority over these things. 
Not because I'm good, but he's good. He is good. Amen? He promised the land, not me. He promised it. 31 kings. That's a king every day. And if you sit there and you say, it's just been another day. That's another king to defeat. I want to talk to somebody today who's been going through some things. And help you to see. Just like we said last week, it ain't over. You have no clue what God is establishing in your life right now. Oh, yeah. He's establishing. He's building something. He's building you up. He's giving you some authority over the things that used to have authority over you. So even though the enemy may be in the land, you don't even have to fear it because, you know, I've already defeated that king. So I don't have to just stay away. I can stand up. Y'all heard that? See, a lot of people think deliverance is staying away from stuff. But deliverance is being able to stand up in the middle of it. Amen? Don't lose your stand. God made a way for you to be where you are. And God's making a way to get you to where you're supposed to go. He's establishing you. Will you stand to your feet this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed? Come on. Who needed this today? Who needed this one today? Deliverance is about dependence. It's about detachment. It's about defeating some enemies. Father, in this place today, we give you praise that you said you would never leave us or forsake us, even when you take us through the wilderness. And we can be confident in the wilderness because you've been there before. And you won in the wilderness. And God, we need your help to win in the wilderness. We have questions, but we thank you, God, that you're answering by establishing us. Today, my heart goes out to so many people who have had to endure through some tough, life-altering things. And even as I share this message today, I pray that you don't mistake my passion. Because I know it's hard. But I still know that God is good. your hands all across this room. Father, today I pray for every person who is going through the wilderness, going through the questions, going through the wondering of where are you, what are you doing? And Father, just like you were there with the children of Israel coming out of their captivity, I thank you that you were there with every person here today that is walking through their wilderness. And our prayer is that you will accomplish the work that you're setting out to do in each of their lives and bringing them to this place of promise that you have for them. I pray, God, that you will give them endurance to get through this. I pray, God, 
that your grace will be sufficient for them in their weakness. I pray, God, that their perspective will go from this place of captivity to see that you're trying to establish them. I pray, Father, that they will, they will see the authority that they are gaining by making it through and making it over and making it past these things. Father, I pray that you will take them through the things they never thought they could go through. And along the way, God, the things that need to be t- detached from our lives, I pray you begin to cut it off. You point it out. You would help us to see. And, Father, my prayer is that for each one of us, Father, we will allow you to get the Egypt out of us so that we can get the promised land in us. Father, I pray you help us to defeat every enemy that's trying to take us out. To overcome. Come on, you're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. We thank you, God, that you make it possible. I need to finish this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me and going to the cross to pay the price for my sins. I surrender my life to you today. And I commit to live my life your way. I'm all yours. Change me from the inside out. And make me who you want me to be. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Come on. So good. So good. So good.